Hello, everyone, and welcome to the commentary for Genesis Avalon Patriot Episode 4. I am your director and co-writer and co-creator, Catherine Pride, and with me as usual is my co-stufer, Ha, Chris Bays. I'm here. You are here, and we are here for Episode 4, a.k.a. Back Across the Pond Again. We are here and we are all together. Yes, we'll go with that. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Because so, it's a UK story. It is. Story. It is. Although technically we're in Geneva. Well, yeah, so, but yeah. it's still... Yeah. So... Works. Yeah. So anyway, so here we go. This is uh, this is the, the payoff from last episode, talking about how we were going to get Tim to, uh, to the UN, and yep. here he is in front of the entire UN, and I'm sure this will go great and not have any negative repercussions whatsoever. Yeah. At all. Um, <laughs> just, just as a, like... A starting statement if if anybody actually knows how the un functions i'm sorry I, yeah because i don't um <laughs> you're like and i wrote this <laughs> I, I i probably should have done more research but there's only so much research you can do before your brain goes ah it's fantasy in this universe this is how it works so yeah well and i i, I will say that i got my soundscape from watching actual Security Council. Oh, there we go. There we the go. Okay, cool. So it's it's a lot like this. It's because essentially he's he's he's, he's pulling the Greta Thunberg, a, he's, right? Yeah, he's at a yeah. podium or he's seated at a, at a at a desk with a with a microphone, and there everyone else just sitting there not, shuffling papers. He's not a delegate to the UN, but he is addressing them as exactly, a guest. Exactly. Exactly. On beh- uh, as a guest of the UK delegation. Yes, and with with as as he's going to mention, with the intention of petitioning for recognition of, of Avalon as a country of sorts. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so first of all, let me just back up really quick. Chris Dotter, dude, I gave dude, you, we gave you so many lines. So much. Oh, we were so nervous did. too. We were like, uh, should we do this to him? This is just like <laughs> <Poor guy. laughs> a four minute long monologue. He just, it's like three pages of he script. Just, uh, he just friggin' nailed it. He nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. It's so good. I, I love hearing how he's, he's you know, let Tim become comfortable with being King Arthur. Yeah. Like, it's very much yeah. a, he's, he, he was ready for this. And I think that's really nice because, you know, obviously, um, for those who listened to the first show, by the end, he, he figured out how to fight as Arthur and how to have, like, inspirational speeches. But this is the first time he's starting to do the real political machinations of being Arthur and, and all of that. All that that entails. Because the magic, spe- the, the, the the political, the, like the, the inspirational speeches, that's part of his superpower. This is not. I mean, it kind of is, but not really. Like this he, is this is his house of house of lordsness, aka soliciting. Yes. Uh, his law degree, working hard. So. If they actually listen to him, then he could say, "Oh, that's just a part of my superpower." There you go. Yeah. So, but no, I just. Uh, I had so much fun doing this scene too, from a directing standpoint. There's like, it's like it's just little whispers and stuff. And it was because it, it feels like it would probably be really boring because it's literally just a single character talking in a big empty room with everybody sitting and being kind of still talking. And you could have just easily just slapped a, a looping room sound wall yeah, under that and let though. it go. That's not fun though. So how much work did you like? Did so, you sit there and time in sound effects? Yeah. That? So 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 essentially, the the script originally had like the delegates murmuring in a way that we could have cast some folks to do it. But I knew that it was going to sound better and more organic if I used actual like crowd sounds. 
that are you know recorded in a studio professionally by professionals. Yeah. So um, they blend together. A little yeah. Bit that way. So so funny enough, the the background of this scene is actually an elect like a classroom taking a test. Oh, that's so funny. you hear like little creaks of the chairs moving and paper shuffling and whispering. Um, and then I, I went in and layered in specific kinds of reactions from crowd whispers and stuff. And then, oh, oh my gosh, she's here. Okay, so really excited, everybody. So uh, this is our illustrious EP, Tilly Bridges, yes. playing the U.S. ambassador. Um, she was she was wonderful. Back when we first pitched uh, Patriot, she was like, I really wanted to be in the first one, and I didn't get to. And I was like, well, I will gladly put you in this one. Who do you want to play? And she's like, well, I do a really good jerk. And so we were like, jerk we, it is. We have a character for yeah. you. But, uh, but, but, but the ambassador is such a, I mean, this is such a wonderful, like, opening salvo to who this character is. But she is a very interesting character. I cannot wait for you guys to hear more of the story. But she is so wonderfully yeah. bitchy in this So scene. bitchy. I love it. And, like, like correctly dismissive. Like, 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 you know, at the risk of sounding, like, super mean and jingoistic. No, but like, no, no, no. But, like, she doesn't have any reason to respect Tim's opinion. He's just a civilian. I, I perfect, concerned. A perfect example of American arrogance. Yes. Yes. And, like, what I think when I listen to this out, because our process is Kat will mix and everything. And then I will sit down as soon as she, like, literally the second she is done mixing with a notebook, a blank page, and I will just start listening. And every time I hear something that could be tightened or tweaked or I don't like how it sounds, I will pause and write down a timestamp yep. and write down what exactly it is that I'm thinking and then continue listening. So it was really, really, really critical edit. Um, and I think all I wrote when when Ambassador Kinsey comes in was just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, that sounds uh, right. That sounds right. So, yeah. So that scene, like, I get chills when she shows up because she's just, like, so dismissive and just like, she, I, we're good. Thank yeah. you. That's enough. Like, <laughs> it's down, like the exact amount of, yeah. It's stone cold 80s mega bitch. Yeah, and you're you're definitely gonna see more of her. Don't worry. But anyway, I just wanted to shout out and say, yay, Tilly's in the show. I'm so excited. And she's so good. So, anyway, on to um, on to our, our I don't know what to call them. Our magical trio of misfits, I guess, because it's Natalie, yes. Merlin, and Roxy. <laughs> so yeah, so coming off of Natalie's fun little brawl, uh, we start talking about important things. Yeah, we do. Fairy dust. Which, you know, we, we sort of hinted that, you know, there was glitter on the girls when they left the, the, the lockup, but we didn't really but talk about why. But now we're, we're getting into it. It's fairy dust. So, you know, we couldn't, I couldn't, I, obviously, it's Avalon. You're not going to not have a magical plot line. I wasn't yeah. just going to give you guys politics, as much fun as that is. So, uh, well, then it wouldn't be Avalon. It would be just Patriot. It's true, yeah. An Avalon cameo. Uh, yeah, no kidding. For no reason. And, and actually, from an interesting, like I guess from like a directorial slash story crafting perspective, that was actually a big part of why we chose to do the show the way we did. Yeah. Was you, we had always set up the pieces for Patriot. Um, the side of things on the UK is actually a large, like of the, like the stuff that I had to come up with and that we had to like figure out for the two seasons. Um, uh, 
this is the stuff that was like very like new and like yeah. this was the net new storyline we had to build because we already knew where Patriot was going to go and we were like okay well how are we going to weave all of that in with a storyline that's just as engaging and important for the the evolution of the character of King Arthur and his knights and the court and all of those characters around that. And it was important to to tell a story that both feels like something new and fresh and also has continuation of that mm-hmm. original story. Absolutely. Or else it's not a sequel, like I said. It's a it's a spin-off, but that's not what we wanted. We wanted a sequel. Yeah, well, and you know, one of my one of my pet not pet peeves, but I guess it is a little bit of a pet peeve with a lot of stories is we tend to get to the the magical climax of a storyline, and there's like massive real world repercussions, and they're like, yeah, that's after the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to say, well, no, like let's let's delve into those magical repercussions. You know, like the fact that Tim's like at the UN, like yes, there's a chain of islands that appeared. Sorry, that was us. Oh, like, is that kind of like our frustration with anything Marvel when now they're acting like it's no big deal that half the universe yes. banished? Yeah. Yeah, like like we're trying really hard not to, to be like... avoid that. Like, yeah, we had our own, quote, blip in that there's a six-year gap between Avalon and Patriot, but we're addressing directly the things that happened in yeah. the blip on purpose. Um, and it's a large plot point, so... Um, Sorry, I just really love Roxy and Merlin's chemistry. You and Tracy sound great together. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so so we're kind of getting into, and I think I teased this like on the Discord and on on Twitter. But like, there's so much lore. I mean, geez, the Mabinogi is freaking huge. So like, it's not like there's a shortage of Celtic lore for me to pull off of. Um, but we're, we're we're playing with more now, and uh, it's uh, we're we're kind of getting into more than just the Tuatha, as you just mentioned in speaking as Merlin. Um, there's more there's more to the lore than just the main gods that Avalons call on. Yeah, and it's because it's not like the you know the, the it's interesting that the way that the Celtic pantheon is built, not just in in like the world of Avalon, but just in general how how mythology talks about the Tuatha de Danann and the Fae and the other forces at work, it was very much because you're talking like tons of smaller tribes that all have their own regional gods that have their own regional structures. You wind up with this beautiful like layered level of like rising and falling power structures and clusters of gods here that are probably like the Tuatha de Danann are, are the formative gods. They started everything. They were the high gods. But then you've also got like the Fae, which operate completely on their own in in mythology. Like, I was, we're not making that up. This is there. Um, and it's so different than, like, when we talk about, like, Greek gods or Egyptian gods yeah. in, in modern parlance, especially, like, you know, Marvel and DC have done, have done the Greek gods to death. And Olympus is Olympus. Yeah. There's nothing else there. Like, yeah. Olympus is where it is. So it's really cool that we're, we're getting to talk about the extreme complexity that is the Celtic pantheons. Spot the director. Can you hear me in this scene? I mean, I know where I, I am. In I this know scene. where you, you are. I'm in the scene, but what are the royal but uh, uh, this scene is just um, Sarah and 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 uh, Teresa do a fabulous job here. Um, Teresa's getting to do a very interesting storyline with Olivia, and I love it. Like, yeah. I I'm personally like very invested with it. So, um, how do you handle how do you handle like like major life decisions that are nobody's business but yours and your husband's. But you're forced to have <laughs> them in public. Mm-hmm. General welfare. Marshal Keith Burns is going to be speaking a bit. 
Oh, look, there it is. Yeah. So. And is it true that any new titles would be So, yeah, it, uh... Your chuckle gives it away. I know. <laughs> it me. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I just... I, I really like the story that we're going to do with Olivia because Olivia has gone through such... Like, out of all of the characters in Avalon, she's one of the most transformative because she started out a loner and she is a, uh, she's lived a very long time. Yeah. We don't even know how... Like, you, the audience, do not know how long she's lived before she finally gave up her powers to, to stay with Tim and see where, where this would go. Um... But ultimately, there's a lot of decisions that she's never, ever thought about having to make. That she's now having to figure out what the hell's going to happen. And, and we're going to get to delve into that quite a bit. And a lot of it, she's very self-assured. Those are decisions that have already been made between her and Tim because they didn't go into their marriage blindly. Yeah. They communicated beforehand. Yeah. But, uh, but you, the audience, get to kind of watch that unfold, too. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, uh, as we kind of hinted at in the last... In episode two, over in the, the UK side of things, there is a growing fanatical anti-monarchy sentiment that has sort of cropped up in the six years with, you know, King Arthur just showing up with Excalibur and being like, I'm King Arthur. Because there's a lot, I mean, it's been, it's been really wacky. Like, it's, whole mountains have moved. Like, mm-hmm. people's homes were destroyed yeah. by this. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so it just gets uh, gets worse and worse. And uh, like it's just this is mm, sorry. I'm I'm You're doing listening. The, I'm listening to the episode instead of talking about it again. I mean, I'm listening to try to figure out where exactly we are so I know what I'm talking about. Oh, you can at least say that. Yeah. Well, okay. So so the two sets of protesters yes. and the anti-protesters just showed up and the counter-protesters, and. Uh, one of the counter-protesters rammed their car into the gate. Yeah. And so now people are, like, actually getting injured and hurt. And so Alicia's like, forget that. I'm going to do something yep. about it. Which, uh, I do love this because we've been talking about her. And you can kind of tell in the first episode that we brought Alicia back in that she was very concerned about what her place was going to be. And it's very obvious here, she has some God's ears. She's yeah. not, she's not powerless. What did I do wrong? And we're sort of in a, a new world. Yeah, because it's prior to this point, you either were Avalon or you were Avalon's completely unpowered apprentice. Yeah, you were like Asara was when she was with her mentor, where all of her power came from relics she was just stone. Yeah. So for Alicia to have any ability to cast spells mm-hmm. outside of having the medallion yeah. Yeah. on her is kind of a big deal. And, you know, it's it kind of brings up a lot of questions. Is she Avalon right now? Because Jane hasn't, you know, yeah. transformed in six years. Is she something else? Is she, is she, you know, does that have to do with more of the fact that we've got competing pantheons all sort of, like, showing their faces? So it'll be... It's an interesting, it's an interesting quandary to unpack, and I guess we'll get into that eventually. ha <laughs> <laughs> Also, that teleporty noise is really fun because it's like you can hear like the air sucking out of the room. That was really fun. I I was trying to do something that didn't sound like like interdimensional teleport because it's like every teleport sound effect you hear, and I was like, I didn't want that. Sailor teleport. Exactly. (laughs) So. (laughs) 
So this is my responsibility. This one flies. I love Ailish. She's so good. She's so good. Just she walks in as Maeve and the whole timber of the room changes. Like have lost your temper. But you did bring up that we have footage of Exodus's kidnapping. And also, there's a great line that we I was talking over, but Jalen is uh, talking about how it, what would have been worse is if he had put Excalibur through the, the ambassador's face. And Gabe's like, Jack! And Jalen's like, what? That would be worse! Like, Jalen does such a great job playing, like, Jack as a sort of, like, you know, you're, you're in, you know, an energetic teenager who's yeah. ready to ready to be a guy, but at the same time, he still has all of, like, the temperament issues of being a teenager. Which is nice, because it wasn't always like that. Like, Alicia and Jack were both very high-strung kids in the show, so it's really nice that, like, Sarah's definitely leveled out Alicia to, to who she is as a young woman, and Jack is, and Jalen's uh, leveling out who Jack is as a young man, and they're just two very different people now. They're, it's, they're it's just really simply going to be, as they grow, yeah. one very centered and stoic, and one very... That's, energetic that's so and weird rash. that's so weird in a show about duality and balance it's that, almost that, like we write the stuff on purpose oh my god oh my goodness <laughs> i love to me i'm gonna hire you i don't know how i'm gonna do that but i'll figure it out I really do enjoy working with you. oh i love how she delivered that one. Oh yeah she's so good it might take a while meanwhile porton's like oh work <laughs> jack would you mind going to pick up lunch i placed the order and it should be arriving soon. Also, I didn't mention it earlier, but uh, welcome to, uh, not welcome, but thank you, Mash thank Max Flyshocker, for stepping in and taking over the role of Gabriel Sinclair, a.k.a. Galahad. Um, uh, Jason was able to get us uh, an episode, but he, he is unable to continue the role, so Max has stepped in, and he's wonderful. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, it's nice because it sort of, like, gives a different, a different, like, um, not read like a, you know what I mean like but like he's New bringing life. a different layer yeah. in the character yeah. that it wasn't necessarily there before um which is uh which is really nice like I always love it when actors come in and do something different and do something that's that makes the role theirs and uh Max is already just like slid right into there like yep. it's like sliding into somebody's DMs like super chill super slick <laughs> Jalen is so Jack is so mad so I was so I did the work dude I actually did the work <laughs> Gasp. <laughs> what? Galahad doesn't feel entirely comfortable? That seems weird. Oh, and then back to back to Natalie's love affair with the shower in Roxy Merlin's apartment. I, you know, first of all, I love having Alicia in any show, but I've always loved her, her playing Natalie, and I just love that I get to let her play, like, having fun as Natalie again, because yeah. for a while everything's so kind of relaxed. Serious. Being Natalie. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she's not really the lady anymore. Mm -hmm. She hasn't had any of the ladies' interactions in six years since they told the two off how to kick it. Sorry, I just love that read so much. It's one of my favorite lines I've ever gotten to write in an episode, and you delivered it so well. But it was just, you know... Living with Merlin, who's living lives all the time. Yeah. Merlin just says weird crap, and you just go, "Well, that's Merlin." Yeah. <laughs> like, Merlin, who has the memory of every life that Merlin's ever lived. Yeah, and Merlin lives them backwards. Yeah. So Merlin knows things that haven't happened yet for the rest of us. Yeah. So weird. 
It's not just pixie friendship. Oh yeah. Well, hell. What do we do now? <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. I don't know. Waiting sounds like the sensible thing, but I hate waiting. Our only clue it's is that, that it's that fun thing of what do you do when there's invisible forces at work? You can't just like go to a police officer and be like, help, I have forensic evidence. It's like, no, I think somebody may have done a thing magically yeah. on a plane somewhere else. How do I fix that? Magician. Meeting into its own realm. Now that Arthur has returned, Avalon slowly is as well. Yeah, this is definitely an episode where we're kind of we're setting the stage for some different things that we didn't really get a chance to talk about in the last episode. But to me, I, I really like cannot stress enough how weird it is like to just have Avalon just like plop down in whole sections of the country. That's a genius idea, Natalie. How did you ever come up with that? Oh, oh my. <laughs> you do. Well, too bad we don't have anything like that. I like that Roxy's just definitely sitting in the room, just wow. totally unaware of what's going on around her. Like, she knows there's a conversation. She has not figured out how it's about to swing right back around to her. <laughs> important things about Roxy's character that I was so glad we get to unpack. So, 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 full disclosure, audience, I didn't know if we were ever going to get to do this storyline with Roxy. Yeah. Because even when I was going to bring her back for the last season, I was on the fence about doing that for a long time because I wasn't sure if it would work. <laughs> like, I wasn't sure I could write it in a way that I was comfortable writing it. There was it. a lot of discussion of if we include, do we include that or do you just save it for a standalone novel or right. something like that? Right. And I'm, I'm really glad that ultimately years ago we decided to do it. And then now I finally get to kind of, you know, have all those, all those chickens come home to roost. I'm pretty excited about that. So we'll see what that, what that has anything to do with next step, not ne next episode, episode six. Yeah. Did it again. <sighs> Meanwhile, poor Alicia just put herself on a cold and rainy beach in the UK. And I know that it's cold and rainy because I too have been on cold and rainy beaches in the UK. It's like the worst time of year to be on a beach, basically. Great band name, cold and rainy beaches. Cold and rainy beaches, yeah. It's my little fair rock band name. <laughs> Also, uh, Sarah did a fabulous job ad-libbing the heck out of this scene. Like, she, like, she just goes wherever with it. <gasps> and this, this is our new character. Yes. Played by the wonderful Adam Blanford, Adam who you Blanford. know as our credits announcer. So you get to hear his dulcet tones every opening and closing, but now you get to hear him possibly even more as this old man by the sea. So so excited! Like, and I can't. I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm just not. This is it. Just some hobo that's not. Her? It's it's the Gordon's fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Trust him. He's the Gordon's fisherman. I think I just carbon dated myself. It's fine. Yeah. So anybody who's who's recently or remembers that from uh, the battle against Morgan in the last season of Avalon, there was a. There is a point where Jack should have died on the battlefield, and uh, Alicia managed to heal him, and she was convinced she saw somebody on the battlefield, and nobody else saw him. And uh, 
That's him. Yeah. So. Is he? Oh my god, is he? I like this music. Thank you. Uh, yeah. That character who is currently only referred to as Mac in the credits right now. Mac has uh, some really fun music cues. A lot of his music is going to be guitars like this. Fun, fun, fun. Yes. I wanted to give sort of like the, like, almost like Desperado, sort of like Wild Westy Lone Ranger sort of feeling for him. So. And also, I'm a sucker for a good guitar. I uh, see. I would have. I would have. We said, all know I love acoustic. I would have said like a little bit more like sea shanty. Uh, well, yeah. The, the one, the one pirate who has a guitar. Yeah. And at no, it. that's that's a better that's a better that's a better descriptor for it because it is like I started along the lines of like pirate music. That was where if, I started, if, and I was it like, wouldn't have sounded very silly to have like one of those melodia, like, <laughs> the little hand ones, the yes. little little tiny accordion, yes. like accordion music. Unfortunately, if you search like pirate music for any like copyright, like royalty oh, yeah. free thing, everything you get is like the most rickety pirates of the Caribbean sort of like. And I don't mean that in a mean way, but I mean no, like no, it definitely is aggressively pirate. Aggressively Disney style. There is nothing left between. Anyway, so okay, so that was episode four. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, if you would like to let us know what you think, you can tweet at us. At, I am at, at Genesis Avalon. You can go to at Pendant Web or Pendant Audio uh, and uh, use the hashtag Avalon Thoughts or hashtag Genesis Avalon Patriot, and we will uh, we will catch you next month. Yeah. Bye. Bye.